Welcome to Three Devs and a Maybe. Now introducing your show hosts, Michael Budd, Fraser Hart, Lewis Keynes, and Ed Mann. Hello and welcome to another episode of Three Devs and a Maybe. My name's Ed Mann and today we're very lucky to be joined yet again by Joe Watkins. How are you doing, Joe? I'm good. Hi, everyone. It's been ages since we last spoke and you've been up to loads of cool stuff. Uh, so, the, well, the first thing I'd like to ask you, actually, is how long left now have you got maintaining PHP 7.1? Oh, well, um, it's just in security fixes now. So um, the rest of this year, basically. Uh, but there's probably not going to be much work because they're pro- they're pro- there's not going to be a release every month. It's just only on demand, you know, when, when security issues come in and they get fixed, then we'll do a release. But probably not very much work now oh cool man so so are you are you gonna are you looking putting your hat um you know your hat into the ring for another release no or, def- I remember no, you mentioned- no definitely not actually no um it's a lot of work well it, it it's it's not so much that it's a lot of work it's um it's more that there's a very strict schedule and my life just doesn't really fit around it and i struggled and i had to get other people to do some releases for me because you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't fit it into normal life. Um, it does take quite a lot of dedication, actually, um, more than more than anyone c- could really expect before they've actually done it. Um, so, yeah, for that reason, I'm not going to do it again. But, I mean, people generally don't do it twice anyway. There's there's, there's people waiting to, to do it. But you get burnt out. I think you realise that you're like, yeah. you've done it once and you're like, do I really want to go through that again? Yes, yeah, it's, it's um, a lot of work and um, it's pretty thankless, really, and... Not that I did it for the thanks. I mean, I've done it just to help out, you know, but, you know, it's a three-year commitment, which is a long time, and my my life just got in the way of it, basically. Well, is it three years is a long, long time. To, yeah. and, you know, like at the beginning, obviously, it's cool. You know, it's the like the latest release. So obviously, you've got the latest buzz. And then, you know, now 7.3, is out thinking about 8. And it's like, well, I've still got to maintain 7.1. Yeah. And you're trying to get – and really what you're proactively trying to do is get people to get off 7.1 now. Yeah, exactly. Um, the quicker people drop it, the better for everyone. So – um, yeah, it's, it's a very different mindset from when you first started. Get everyone on it to yeah. now get off the platform. Well, yeah, because, I mean – Bugs can be reported and they can very easily bring your infrastructure crashing down. But if it's not a security bug, then no one, no one can fix it. So it's not safe to run 7.1 if if you are not um, able to f- fix PHP yourself. And nobody is. So you really, you need to leave it alone now and go on to one that's actually been not just not just technically supported, but, but actively developed because um, that's the only time it's really safe to run a version. When, when when a bug can come in and it can just be fixed um, rather than rather than only a certain class of bug so yeah absolutely and and, and well i should say you know like over the i think it was over the last couple of um well i think it was one big weekend that you posted like three blog posts yeah. you've been very busy posting a lot of interesting stuff man yeah I, I tend to do i tend to do this um i tend to be silent for a few months and just keep myself to Are myself you- and then yeah, well, you've just completely opened it all up. And like, I, I mean, we just, yeah, we definitely had to get you. I mean, you messaged, because I messaged you a while back saying, you know, let's do a podcast sometime. And then you said, right, I'm ready to do one. I've got plenty of stuff. And you weren't joking. There, There is a lot to talk about here. Yeah. So I, I'd like to mention the first one then. So it's actually the first blog post that came out was about sandboxing. 
Uh, and it, it also inclu- it includes a new extension that you've released uh, called Sandbox. So it'd be great maybe to like get some like background history on sandboxing and, and what actually sandboxing is for PHP and, and why you know you kind of decide to develop this extension. Sandboxing in general is used in testing and security. But if you say if you're working in security and, and you mention a sandbox, you might be talking about a dedicated machine or piece of hardware that is set up in such a way that you can run unsafe or untrusted code. And and when we're talking about testing, we might not then be talking about a machine, we might be talking about a process or a thread um, that's set up for the same purpose. So that's the first thing to say. And then the second thing to say is sandboxing is useful for PHP because it's useful in mostly in the testing arena. Although I have seen people come up with other other use cases for it, such as uh, one guy said, uh, it would be useful for making like a template engine where where the templates are put in by untrusted users on some sort of CMS or something. Yeah, that's yeah, that's interesting. You can have the flexibility of kind of you know maybe using a bit of PHP code there as well and allow them to do some stuff. Um, but but without actually giving them access to your code base because um, because the sandbox is isolated, so so they what, couldn't do anything nefarious. They couldn't. Yeah, I mean, if you could set it up, you could be reasonably sure that they couldn't do any, that they couldn't do anything nefarious. Yeah, So. For most of the history of PHP, it's been it's been a runkit feature, but runkit's fallen into disrepair since PHP seven because obviously it's very close to the engine, and you know runkit allows you to like rename methods and that sort of stuff. And it had a it had a sandbox, but it was really a very big mess, and um, it didn't really seem to be understood by the people who are maintaining it now. So they just sort of commented it out from the PHP 7 fork. And they opened a bug about it and they've sort of looked into it, but they clearly couldn't get it working. In the blog post, you mentioned like there's kind of some, you know, documentation kind of misunderstandings as well with the concept of like creating a new thread, etc. Yeah, I want to be careful here because I happen to know that actually Sarah wrote that documentation and wrote the feature. But she did write it 13 years ago um, and she said in the documentation that it created a thread and it doesn't, and it never did. Now, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a part of PHP called TSRM, which stands for Thread Safe Resource Manager, and it's linked into PHP when you make a thread safe build of PHP, like everyone has to on um, Windows, Apache Windows, and threaded sappies. So what this does is it, um, it ensures the share nothing architecture that PHP requires so that each thread is independent from every other thread inside your web server. Now, this is a very misunderstood layer of software, and it always has been. And um, I'm probably the foremost user of it because um, it's the basis for pthreads. I was going to say, I think you've got definitely, you know, a, a lot of impetus to uh, to understand this stuff. Yeah. So I looked at the runkit code, and um, it's, like, it's sort of a mishmash of just getting it to work sort of thing. But... I, don't, I can't work on RunKit because it just gives me nightmares. It really does give me nightmares. Um, I, when I first started my new job, when I first started my new job five years ago, the first thing I did was make sure the test suite actually runs every time because it would crash. And so we could. It was never... a good thing about a test suite. That yeah, runs. I know. <laughs> we could never get to the end of a test run because it crashed all the time. And I spent a couple of weeks on RunKit, and I fully intended to just fix RunKit put up a patch for Runkit and then move on with my life. But it didn't happen. I had to write a new extension for it. And so I can't work on Runkit. So I thought, well, we'll just 
we'll just do a little extension. It's only sim- it's only a sim- simple extension. It's quite simple code. So yeah, I wrote the independent sandbox extension, and it really does create a thread. But don't be don't be scared about that because there's no actual parallel execution of any user code. The, the sandbox thread and the, the thread that created it are synchronized with each other, so there's no actual parallel execution going on with PHP code. And yeah, the basic idea is you send you send closures into the sandbox thread to execute, and they're executed in the sandbox, and you can get you can get um, everything but an object back from the sandbox safely. So yeah, that, that's it. It's quite a simple. It's got one. It's got one method. It's got a constructor and a method. No, two methods. So it's really simple and yeah, quite quite neat. People like that. I really like the API for it. I thought when I saw that first, I thought that's just you know it's just what you want. Yeah, it's you know, it's just keep it simple. But 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 because you can actually just write actual code like a closure rather than loads of method invocations and stuff. I think that's neater and and it's definitely easier to maintain for me. I mean, there is no maintenance really for me. It's done. So yeah, that's 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 the sandbox. And so how do, how does it tackle it differently then to Runkit? As you say, it makes a real thread. Uh, well, Runkit um, didn't make a real thread. What it made was um, using TLSRM, it made a context, a PHP interpreter context, and it switched between the the calling the calling context and the sandbox context. But when I say switch, I don't mean switch as in actual context switching. I just mean it called some TSRM functions and it loaded the context into the globals that PHP uses to function. Or rather, it, well, to be more precise, it referenced a different set of glo- globals in, in the sandbox than it did in the caller. But there was never actually another thread. So this actually means that it's quite easy to crash because you've got one, you've got one thread. And while TSRM is very specifically meant to be used in a different thread, so you don't have the same sort of control. I mean, in new sandbox version, you can do anything up, up to but excluding making p actually seg fault, so so a very low level, you know, crash of PHP. Anything else is fine, and not only will it not affect the the parent that created the sandbox, it won't actually affect the sandbox. You can enter back into it afterwards, so it's 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 much more robust, and um, that's that that's the main difference really. It it, it does what Runkit was meant to do. But it does it properly, and uh, so yeah, that's um, that's the differences. Could you see this being like actually included in PHP Core at some point, or do you think it will always be an extension? Well, because it relies on Zen Thread um, Zen Thread safety, I doubt if it will go in Core because not everyone runs Zen Thread yeah. safety. Um, it's mostly a Windows thing actually now, Zen Thread safety. Although all of the builds on Travis are Zen Thread safe, so you can use it in your testing and stuff. But um, no, it's not really a core. It's not really a core thing. And it feels like something that will be used for specific use cases, like you say, maybe like, you know, certain CMSs and, and things like that. Yeah. No, it's, it's really cool, though. And and you mentioned there, so, you know, obviously when you had your new job and everything, and you did, you're looking at Runkit, and then one of them obviously is now the Sandbox, but before that it was UOPS. The second blog post that you released was to do a test doubles, and it was called Faking It. And I just, you know, maybe it'd be really great to for the audience to, like, rehash maybe the reasons why you built UOPS in the first place, and also what actually is UOPS for, for new listeners. Oh, UOPS means um, User Operations for Zend. That's where the name comes from. And it's kind of like Runkit, but it's got a different appy. Runkit allows you to replace methods and classes and things for testing, so you can do, like, mocking and things. But it does it in a way that basically crashes the engine all the time. 
and even now, even though it's sort of maintained, I mean, you can't see me do the air quotes there, but I'm saying maintained. <laughs> I'm saying maintained in air quotes, not not to diss the author, just that it's so complicated, and there's basically one guy working on it, and he stops when it works, but he doesn't care if it crashes, and he doesn't care if it leaks, and I can't really do. I can't. I can't really have that. That's not acceptable. I can't rely on stuff that crashes. We've got, at work, we've got an absolutely huge code base and loads and loads of projects and huge test suites. And it is just a waste of time if it keeps crashing all the time. We must get to the end of every run. You know, developers have got to be able to run their tests before they make commits. And it's just super important to have as stable a testing environment as possible. And that's what UOPS is about. It takes a different route where RunKit would actually replace functions in function tables. Um, UOPS tries to avoid that and rather overloads the virtual machine to intercept calls, which is safer and more forward compatible and easier to get right. So that's the main the main difference. So they sort of allow the same things, but they go about it in totally different ways. And uh, I spend a lot of my time working on testing and test suites. And so my, my focus is here. And uh, we, we use uh, UOPS for five years now. And we always, you know, we repeat to each other all the time, oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to move away from UOPS. We're going to write better code. We're going to write more testable code. And that's fine. I mean, we do. But business requirements require that we work on the business. We can't spend months at a time refactoring code test, test suites. It just it can't happen. And we get a bit of time for it. I mean, they're, sim- they're sympathetic to that. But... You can't spend a year doing it. So we've got to keep moving forwards while trying to sort of drag the legacy behind us. It's almost like UOPS was too good, though. This is the thing, isn't it? Because well, it was removing that friction. It's sort of a lack. When you give people a tool to do something crazy, what they'll do is crazy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, if they don't have the tools to do crazy things or if they've got tools that are capable of crazy things but also capable of nice things then they'll do the nice thing but uops has got no good mode it, it doesn't encourage you to 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 write nice tests it, it encourages you to you to get the job done which at the time was what we wanted to do but now five years later we're looking at all the decisions we made and thinking it's not really working people are just carrying on doing the bad thing so i decided we needed a new set of tools because I, I gave them the tools to do this they're working badly so i'll give them a new set of tools and they'll work better so what I did was, obviously, at the core of, I won't say at the core, but maybe just outside the core of testing is the ability to mock things. And in PHP, that either means using PHP parser or using one of these mocking frameworks that allow you to replace the definition of a class at runtime. But they all suffer from the same problems. They've all got weird, they've all got weird limitations because at the PHP level. Yeah, because they're at the PHP level. You can't redefine a class you've already auto-loaded. It's not possible. Um, you can redefine it in another namespace or do a trick like that. But you can't actually just have a script with a class in it and then later on in that very same script, redefine that class. It's against the rules. And also they've got limitations on it because they, some of them use inheritance rather than rather than replacing the original class. They'll inherit the class and then it's got the same sort of interface. But... It comes with the restriction that obviously privates and things work differently if, if you've inherited it rather than if you've replaced it. And I know that you shouldn't mock privates and all this, but I don't actually care. I've got a job to do. And if 
someone needs to mock a private, then they need to mock a private, and I'm going to let them do that to get their job done. So I'm not really bothered. About, I know in the pure sense you shouldn't, but in another sense, um, we've all got we've all got work to do. So what I did was I wrote an extension that, that could replace any class at runtime, even if it was all, well, it had to be already loaded, and that lifts all of them restrictions about inheritance and things. You don't need to care about that anymore. But the problem was, it's quite complicated. You've got to have some knowledge of how classes are built internally to use it like really effectively. And even even Rasmus didn't get it. Um, we had a bit of back and forth about it. He liked it, but he was struggling to use it because it's complicated. And I didn't document it very well and didn't make it very clear. But anyway, it got ignored by most people, especially at work, totally ignored. And um, so I thought what I would do is write a PHP framework on top of that that exposes the power of Componair is the name of the extension, which means composer in that end. But obviously the name composer is already taken. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like that though. I like going with the Latin approach. It's yeah, I, nice. I like Latin words as well. It's a beautiful language. Anyway, um, wrote a framework on top of it, which is called Mimos, which is another Latin word, which means mimic. And it leverages Componair to, to give you a, look, a fluid interface for a mocking framework and it's really nice the people at work really like it. they're actually enjoying themselves using it you know they're goading each other on to fix this and fix that and do that's it that's awesome and do it the memeless way I've, I've actually heard people do it say, the memeless way yeah, oh, i like that i've actually heard people say that so that's really cool i i love to be able to motivate, motivate them like that that's really cool and i also do code reviews at work it's one one of my another one of my main tasks is um no code gets committed if i haven't said it can be committed which uh is quite a lot of effort but that was sort of my idea because when I first started anyone could push anything sort of thing and no one was checking it and they tried pair programming and they tried all these different things but in the end it just sort of all broke down and it was all just like a free-for-all so now I review it before it's committed but now now like a month and a half or whatever into using Memus they're actually correcting each other you know, uh, your job is done. You don't, you know, yeah. you're not needed anymore. I well, like it. Uh, someone posts a review for me, and before I get a chance to read it, another another developer will say, "Well, why don't you do it this way?" And you know, is that definitely right? And and yeah, why don't you do it the memeless way? Which I thought was quite cool. And and yeah, they love it. it. It's um, it's really giving them some motivation to 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 do better. It it still allows you to do the bad things, but its interface doesn't encourage that. Its interface encourages you to. to Stick to the, the basic rules of testing, such as don't mock what you don't own and you know, don't mock privates. You don't need to mock privates and statics and things. They're really trying now to, to actually live up to the, to the ideals. So it's, it's really great. It's really great for me. It's been a great success. I think it's really cool. And I think it's like, you know, you built like a foundational building block with the extension Componair. And then obviously, you know, using building a test double library on top, that's really aiding the developer and providing a nice API to use it. And... You know, people get scared when you mention that some PHP software relies on an extension, but there is no PHP software that doesn't rely on an extension. And I just wish people would drop their bias against extensions. Extensions are the most powerful way to write code for PHP. You can do anything with PHP if you write it in an extension. And I, I wish people would drop that bias because it leads to really great software. I mean, a lot, all the PHP stuff, almost anyone could maintain that and improve it and make it better. And, and that's what's great about it. All the difficult stuff is just contained in Componair and that's my problem. But the rest of it, the, the rest of it, anyone can work on that and give it new features and it's really easy. So yeah, the, the, the 
power of extensions and PHP together are, are, are quite often too quickly dismissed. Uh, people don't want to rely on an extension, but I mean, it's, it's silly, really. Well, it's all the crazy stuff, like you say, you have to do um, like in these frameworks on the top layer on PHP level because of the fact that you haven't got the ability to go under the hood. And, you know, it's these these really weird use cases and stuff and probably before, and performance bottlenecks. Yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, PHP's parser is very excellent software, but it's also very heavy software. And if if you've just, if you've got like a normal little project on GitHub, it's fine. You can do whatever you want with it. Use the mocking frameworks that use that. But if you've got several million lines of code and using that would create tens of thousands of processes, then that's not reasonable. It's just not reasonable to do that. We, um, we, we, think, we think we're moving forward much quicker than we ever were with UOPS. And we don't have to say to each other, we're going to improve it because they're just doing it already because it gives them a better way to do it. UOPS never had a good mode. It just it replaced individual functions, set return values, get the job done. This is more suited to modern PHP, I think. Uh, and the final blog post that you released in this, uh, this big flurry of blog posts was the test coverage blog post, running for coverage. And this is a big one. This is really cool. Um, firstly, what would be interesting to maybe talk to the audience about what actually is code slash test coverage, and then maybe we can then start going into the history of how it, you know how it's been in PHP world. Code coverage is, or test coverage is, um, when you run your tests, you want to know that your tests are hitting certain places in your application. You want to know that test A tests method X or whatever. Test coverage is the way to do that. What it does is records what your tests invoke so that, that then PHP unit can make a nice table and graphs and whatever for you um, to show that your tests are hitting the targets, or, you know, your code. So that's what test coverage is. Now, I will say before I go on that test coverage is not the be-all and end-all of good software. Just because just because a method is 100% covered, it does not mean that it is 100% correct. Exactly. It doesn't mean it's testing the right, the right behavior. No, but it is, a, it is a useful metric. It is a useful metric to, to have. And it's, but it's been available for a very long time since at least the first few versions of Xdebug. And Xdebug is the whole ecosystem's debugger, as we know. It's very mature and it's got lots of, lots of tools. Debugger, profiler, test coverage. Now, there is a problem with that approach in that when you pack everything into one box, the component parts start nudging into each other. And um, that is sort of the problem that Xdebug has. And Derek knows this as well. He, he wants to make newer versions differently so that it can either be a profiler or either be a debugger or either be a collection coverage tool, which is a good idea for, for, for Xdebug. But I still don't think that it will perform as well as what you can do in a purpose-built self-contained extension. So I wrote a purpose-built self-contained extension called Peacov, which is like a play on words. You don't really get the play on words unless you're a C programmer, though, so nobody understood it. <laughs> um, the, the equivalent in C is Elkov and um, line, line coverage, and nobody understood why it was called Peacov, but never mind, I, I, I named it badly, but that's its name. No, you get to choose. You built the, the tool. You get to choose the name. I know, and you know, names I normally put about three seconds thought into because if you put more than that into it, you start overthinking yeah, it. Yeah, and it becomes like a philosophy, and, and it doesn't really matter so long as someone, has, so long as people have got a thing to call it by, it doesn't really matter. But yeah, so I wrote Peacock, 
Now, PHP debug also allows you to collect code coverage, but it's quite bad at it. It's fast. That that was the big win, wasn't it? Back in 2015, that was like, wow. So everyone, well, not everyone, but I mean, a few people, especially with big projects where, where X debug just couldn't, just couldn't do it um, for reasons of resource consumption and time. Um, they, they switched over to PHP debug, but, and they just put up with the mistakes it makes or they didn't know about them. Um, I'm not sure. I, I don't want to say that people were wrong for using it. I mean, it was fast and it allowed you to get your job done quicker. So use it, you know, but it is actually technically wrong. It gets, it, it makes mistakes that mean that you can't trust. If, um, at the end of every function, the Zend engine has to know that the function will return. Mm-hmm. return control so even if you've written return whatever some value or nothing return void the compiler inserts a, an implicit return at the end of every function just regardless of regardless. any yeah because but because it has to be sure that it's going that it's going to return and then opcache optimizes away the ones that don't matter so if you've got an unconditional return at the end of a function there won't be two returns with opcache loaded php debug assumed that all of these implicit returns were not important, but they are important. If you imagine a really simple function with a condition and one one path, and then inside that path you return, PHP debug will show that the whole function is covered when only the first path is taken. So so that means if the arguments you got weren't, weren't what expected, or you, for some reason you didn't travel that first path, it should tell you that the rest of the function wasn't traveled, that it didn't. Yeah, there's two cases here, but you're only showing one. Yeah, but it doesn't. It didn't do that. It just because it was fast to do to do that to ignore them and easy. So that's what PHP debug gets wrong, and it means that the reports it generates where it says one hundred percent or whatever, you can't actually trust that number. You've actually got to go and look if there's any of these use cases yeah. around at, at each individual function. You've got to check. Well, should should there be should there be a return at the end of that? So that I knew this when it was made. Although I had a big part in writing PHP debug, I wasn't anything to do with the coverage support it sort of it used the feature that i wrote into it for internals developers to log instructions to send them to php code coverage to make to make the driver for it but it was never very robust and i knew this but i didn't really want php debug to become this big collection of tools i wanted it to be a really great debugger for internals developers mostly it was for internals developers the unix philosophy of do one thing do it well yeah you know i didn't stop it going in and it, and it was good you know it made it made it was faster, so for most people, that's what's important. But for me, what's important is that I can actually trust what it says. That's it. Your correctness over speed is always the best. Yeah. So yeah, I always knew that was a problem, and always it was always you know quite near the bottom of my list to do something about it because everyone knows XDebug is slow. I mean, when you load it, even if it's disabled, it forces Zen to output instructions for the debugger and that bloats your code and slows it down and it installs all kinds of hooks in the engine and that slows it down, that slows the engine down. So everyone knows XDebug is slow and not giving anyone any new information there. What they what they may not have known was that PHP debug was wrong, even though it was fast. And then I saw a blog post from Sebastian Bergman who, who writes PHP unit, top guy. And he, he'd been talking to Derek about improving the performance of code coverage. And he didn't mention PHP debug, even though everyone thinks, oh, you know, that's weird. It's really fast. And we use it for this and we use it for that. Why didn't you mention it? And I, I saw him trying to sort of respond to people on Twitter and things. And he just says, I, I don't use PHP debug. And everyone was like, oh, that's a bit weird. 
but he he doesn't use it because it makes mistakes. And um, so he didn't mention it in this whole thing. And then that just really got me thinking, you know, this is silly. What They're improving the performance of Xdebug, but it's never going to be fast because of all the things it does. And um, why, why can't we have fast and accurate coverage? So I set out to write Peacock, and at first I copied the way that PHP Debug done it, just to prototype it. But I was not I was not intending to leave it like that. But when I did that, it actually outperformed PHP Debug by such a wide margin that I thought, well, this is an improvement. Yeah, it made exactly it, the speed improvement that you get from PHP Debug. It increases that. Yeah, so I thought, well, I'll open a pull request, and then Derek made a blog post, and he used that one liner about preferring correctness over speed, and that was clearly aimed at PHP Debug, and that's fine. I mean, he's totally right. It just goaded me to get it right. So what I did was. Now, the way that Xdebug gets it right, it uses branch analysis. So it analyzes the code to find out which parts actually should be taken and which parts are executable. And that that allows it to detect properly those implicit returns, which ones are important, which which ones should I actually show as coverable. That's what um, branch analysis is. And also, I mean, it allows you to do a lot of stuff, but at 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 the base of it, that's what it allows you to do. And so it's not the only software that does that, though. Optimizer does that, part of Opcache, you know, the thing that makes your, it reformats your code on the fly so it's the best version of the code it could be. To do that, it has to build a control flow graph. And the control flow graph code, it turns out, is actually some of the nicest code within PHP. You can actually just lift it out and drop it into whatever you want. How surprised were you that you could do that? Uh, very. I mean, not much of PHP is succinct. Appies are like all over different files and things. But Opcache being self-contained for so long is written quite nicely. Or at least that part is written quite nicely. So I pulled that out and dropped it into Peacock. And so now Peacock and Zend absolutely agree about what is executable code. But there's no way, no way for them to disagree about that. And you get the speed boost as well. And it's so well written. It's so extremely fast. It's sort of, it's sort of like, well, why didn't we do this in the first place with PHP Debug? But we didn't. So that's it's, it's ancient history now. It doesn't really make sense to change PHP Debug now. I would actually rather that it dropped code coverage because it can't do it as well as an extension can do it. I mean, that's just a fact. It doesn't matter if we fix it. It can't do it as fast. Direct it to Peacock instead. If yeah. You want to do some code coverage. Yeah, so I, dro- I dropped the um, control flow graph code in from Optimizer, and then and, th- and then that has made a top quality um, code coverage extension. You know, I talk in the blog post about it being the future, and it might seem presumptuous, but I'm right. Uh, I'm not wrong. Uh, the only way to compete with it would be to write another extension exactly the same, and that would be totally pointless. So I think I think that will it was already gained a lot of traction, but the problem is because it requires a PHP driver as well. It's only actually available by default to people that are using PHP Unit 8 and above. And there's been like a lot of friction with even people that are willing to upgrade PHP Unit immediately. They're having trouble with void returns. PHP Unit 8 has decided to put void returns on stuff and it makes it really awkward. You've got to go into all your tests. Because on the setup method, on the setup method for, for the test case, that's where it's put a void. So it means like, for a lot of people, it means changing every single test in their code base. Um, that's created quite a lot of friction. But I have come up with a solution to that. On my GitHub, there's a composer package um, called Peacock Clobber. And um, you can install it in your project with Composer, and it installs a little bin script. It can overwrite the XDebug driver with a Peacock one. 
so that PHP code coverage thinks it's running Xdebug, but it's actually running Pico. And that works on PHP Unit 6 and 7. So, I mean, that's quite a lot. Of, that's that's probably about as far back as we need to go or can go. I haven't really checked further back than that. I, I, most of the um, projects that people like, doctrine projects and that, are still using 6. But I think most people are using 7 now. So, basically, 6 to 8 is supported, but 6 and 7 not very nicely uh, you want to you want to just upgrade to PHP Unit Eight, but I understand that that's a big hassle, and but you can you can use the clobber thing if, if you're using six or seven, so that should help traction and adoption. Absolutely, and how are you finding this? In, uh, I'm assuming you're using this in your work environment as well. Yeah, I mean, how, how do you think it's much faster? <laughs> uh, we can... <laughs> this is it exactly a massive code base like you have, a lot faster and accurate as well. Yeah, um, you know, we don't need to. We don't need to wait so long for test coverage to run. I'm not going to review code if you haven't made sure it's covered. I'm not going to review code that doesn't come with the tests. I'm not going to approve changes that don't come with tests for them change. And um, before I even before I even look at Fabricator, um, Jenkins runs, and I won't look at it before the build's green. And the build won't be green if you drop the coverage by a certain amount. And I know that coverage is not the best metric, but it's a metric. It helps aid, kind of, you know, it's, it's it's another thing which just kind of gives you gaining levels of confidence. And that's it. I mean, that it's not the only metric. Every metric you can get is is adding to your confidence in that code. So that's, that's why line coverage is important. But I should say that there are better criteria than line coverage. Now, the most interesting is actually, is actually branch coverage, where it doesn't just test if a line's been hit. See, if you've got a condition... Like an if it tests if it tests if your code, your test code, has tested all the possible outcomes of every branch. Okay, so that's different to line coverage because line coverage only tells you if the if the line's been hit, but it doesn't tell you whether how it was hit. That's it. It could it could be multiple po- possible paths to get to that. Yeah. Um, so branch coverage is much better, and this is the next thing I'm going to do. Um, this is the next thing I'm going to do for Peacock. But I have, I've made a bit of a start on it, but nothing worth publishing yet. Oh, that's exciting, man. Have you been able to kind of, have you got an idea in your mind of how you're going to solve it? Or is it kind of an open book of what, you know, kind of how you're going to deal with it? Yeah, well, I mean, it's quite well defined. What you what you have to, what you have to sort of detect is quite well defined. It's all, it's quite complicated about edges and stuff. And it's very interesting. I really like reading about all this stuff, but I am still reading about it. But I've got, a, I've got a general idea of it in my head and, and a general idea of how to make it fast and accepted. So yeah, that's, that's what's next for Peacock yeah you've definitely been very busy and uh you're producing some really really cool stuff well i, I think you know no, no chat with you doesn't go without uh, a little discussion about the good old php rfcs and since we've last spoke there's been plenty going around um but the first one i thought it would be good maybe to like kind of go through some that have been accepted into php 7.4 and then maybe go then to you know kind of continue into the under discussion because there are a couple including the jit one that you know would be very good uh, to talk to you about. So the first one, though, is the foreign function interface. Uh, so this actually, in theory, should allow us to call C functions and using C data types from pure script from a pure prescription language, which is in our case PHP. Similar to how like you can do Python, uh, and it also opens the way, yeah, to to be able to actually use this in pure PHP. What does this actually bring to us? What 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 can you see this bringing? And you know, what maybe is the reasoning behind bringing something like this into PHP at this stage? The first thing to say is to use an FFI effectively, you've actually got to be a C programmer because, like you said, it's all, it's about interfacing with C. 
So you need to know the C code, obviously, yeah, to be able to interface with this. This is like that translation between the two, but you need to actually know both levels. Yeah, anything you write in FFI, you would have to be able to write in C also. There's quite a, a, a narrow scope there of people who can actually use it effectively. But nevertheless, for those people that can use it effectively, it is very powerful. People are talking about writing modules in PHP, but I mean, that's a total non-starter. It's a total non-starter because a module in PHP does stuff at request startup and you can't execute user code at that point. That's not quite right. But what it does do is allow you to write things that you would write in an extension in PHP, but not actually an extension. That's an important distinction to make. Now, for example, say um, you've got a C library that implements this really fast math-heavy algorithm of some sort. Um, rather than having to write the extension, you can just write some PHP and it's, you know, once everyone's running PHP 7.4, it'll be easier to deploy that code because no one really likes compiling extensions and so on. So it, it, it brings this to the table, but because it's only in 7.4, it won't, it won't actually hit the zeitgeist for a while. It's planting the seed of being able to use it. Yeah, if, if I wrote stuff for it today, it would be useless until at least next year when PHP 4, 7.4 is released. But yeah, it's very powerful. But I should say that I actually want this to go into PHP. You know, you'd think I would because it's right up my alley. Yeah, a bit of C, a bit of PHP. <laughs> yeah, but it's very complicated. And there's no, in my view, other people disagree with me, but there's, there's no actual justification for it being in PHP source. And when I say that, what I mean is the only justification that I've been given is that it helps promotion of the extension, which I just totally discount as an argument because all of the stuff that's on Peckle that you definitely have loaded today, like Redis and Memcache and all that stuff, that's all on Peckle. It's not in PHP, but you think it is because it's with it's packaged by your distro maintainers to look that's like... That's it, and it just comes by default. You just kind of add it in and that's it. Now, when, when it was proposed, it had one user, which is the guy that wrote it, Dimitri. There was one example of code that used it, which was useless. Um, it's unproven, it may have bugs, and I, I, just, I just don't think it actually belongs in PHP source. It, it, could have, it could have gone on Peckle, matured, got a big user base, and then gone into PHP source later when we're absolutely sure that we've got everything covered. This is what you want. There are security concerns with allowing, allowing that, that low-level access. There, there, are, there are concerns beyond just the difficulty of it. Uh, so... I didn't want it in PHP, but it got voted in anyway. So that's going to be in 7.4, yeah. Well, one thing I'm, I'm sure you're really happy with that's now in PHP 7.4 is type properties, 2.0. Um, so you've, you've got a long, long history with this RFC, you and Phil back in the day. Yeah, I sort of wrote the first version of it, but it was bad. And uh, Well, it wasn't bad, but I mean, it showed the way, but uh, it was incomplete and... It's basically taken years to get this into PHP, which I think is tragic. Why do you think that is then? Do you think it was just kind of, you know, kind of initial, like, yes, we're going to get this in, and then obviously, you know, it, it being declined, and then kind of, all right, we've got to go back to the drawing board? It's a mixture of things. I mean, the implementation was not perfect when I did it, but the problem is that our processes are in the way. If when, if when that got refused at first, I was allowed to go back to the drawing board and rewrite it that week when I had all the information fresh in my head, and um, when I had people on side, we'd have got it in much quicker. But the rules say you can't do that. You've got to, you've got to make substantial changes or, or leave it a certain amount of time. It's all very complicated. And to be honest, I lost the willpower. 
because it takes a lot to push through your ideas, to push them through internals. It takes a lot of willpower. It takes a lot of time and effort. And I just didn't have it after the first attempt. But luckily, other people did and they picked it up and fixed the problems with the patch and extended it and made it much better. And it was Nikita. And he made it so that you you couldn't argue. (laughs) You'd have to be mad to argue with the RSC that he wrote. And that's why it got in. I think it got in unanimously. Yeah, Um, I think you're right there. Yeah, Uh, because you couldn't argue with the way he'd written the patch and the way he'd written the RFC. He thought of everything. He's extremely brilliant. So so how different then is it, like, kind of implementation-wise to what you did? The the, the main differences are my patch didn't support static properties, but it didn't support them because at the time, this is a bit boring really, but the the, the VM didn't have the instructions specialised for for static properties, so it wasn't really reasonable to support that. And it didn't support references because... We hate references, and at the time we were like discourage their use. But it turns out that you know they are they are a core part of PHP, and whether we like them or not, they have to be supported. That's the main differences between the patch that's in and the patch that I propose. Just just those two things. But encompassing in that is a lot, and um, the RFC itself was of much higher quality. Um, so yeah, that's that's why I got in. It was just a very very brilliant piece of work by Nikita and Bob. Well, and I'd, I'd say also from you as well. I mean, you and Phil, obviously, you know, you spearheaded this at the beginning. And, you know, it, it takes all, all of you guys there to, you know, to be able to get this, you know, finally through. And it's just great that it's, you know, it's now been accepted and it's going into 7.4. Yeah, it's great. I, I, don't, I don't want to take the credit away from Nikita and Bob because they worked so hard on it. I mean, they really thought of everything in to, 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 to put their argument across in the RFC and also in the implementation. They really did a very good job of it. Um, so yeah, that that's going to be in seven point four. It's a massive, obviously, a massive feature for, for PHP. Now, I think that that that's going to be one of those game changers. Yeah, I mean, it, it's almost like why didn't we have this? Why why have we got classes and why have we got types on? It's actually the first kind of proper type safety. I know I know there's types sprinkled all over your code, but it's not type safe. If something is only checked at the boundary, then and then it can change after, then it's not type safe. Um, this is actual type safety in PHP, so it's obviously a very excellent feature. Very, very cool. And, and moving on from that, then the, the next one is is preloading. So, so would you mind maybe like for the audience maybe explaining kind of what preloading is? This is another thing that's been implemented as part of Opcache. Yes, uh, the the box of everything that is Opcache. <laughs> um, okay, right now, say you use Laravel on every request. Laravel's got to be basically compiled or pulled out of the cache. So preloading allows you to compile that code and cache it and share it among processes so that you you, you cut the overhead of an actual request down dramatically. Yeah, you don't have to like do the fetching of the file or, you know, kind of adding it into specific requests, you know, the request context and stuff. Yeah, this was basically a prerequisite for the JIT. I was going to say, there's a couple of things here. I mean, maybe maybe the FFI as well. Like, this is inspired by like the class data sharing stuff that JVM did, which, which is interesting. But and there's obviously a, like some drawbacks to this that because it's done on startup, uh, this code obviously stays and it's shared. And if you maybe you're running multiple um, applications, the host running multiple applications, multiple versions of applications, you may get into a bit of a, you know, kind of a, a problem there if you're sharing the same class names, et cetera. It's not so suitable for um, shared hosting, but I'm sure that they'll actually just work out that with configuration. I don't really have much to do with shared hosting, so I can't really speak on the, on the drawbacks. Well, the thing to say is that 10 years ago, it would cost you 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 200 bucks for a server. 
now it costs you a buck. Shared hosting is becoming, I mean, it's still one of our main, one of our main concerns, but it's becoming less important because of the cost of your dedicated hardware or virtual dedicated hardware is so cheap now that people can just afford to use dedicated or, or virtually dedicated hardware. So yeah, it makes more sense now than it would have done. It makes more sense now. Preloading makes more sense now than it would have done five, five, ten years ago. And so, so you, do you see that you know that a lot of the frameworks and stuff adopting this approach? It's really down. It's really going to be down to each individual application author. A framework can't stop itself being preloaded. It's going to be down to the um, application designer if it's going to be suitable for how they're deploying. So in the future, and you did you, you alluded into it with the JIT, you know, it's possible to form more aggressive optimizations and hopefully generate better JIT code for preloaded functions and classes. So I think this kind of is a good segue into what's under discussion now. And again, near and dear to your heart from, I think it was probably 2014 or something. I remember you talking about this stuff, a JIT being added. So firstly, maybe for the audience, you know, for, uh, you know, maybe new audience members, what is a JIT? Okay, JIT stands for just in time. It's a compiler strategy that turns bytecode, which is which are the instructions that Zend virtual machine executes, uh, executes or, or Java bytecode. Java's got one into machine instructions, so the lowest possible form of instruction they execute directly on the CPU. So that's what a JIT is. It's interesting because that, so some of the the in the RSC, some of the reasons. So it'd be good maybe to go like some of the reasons they go you know this route now. Like why do we decide to have a JIT now? And and a couple of their arguments is you know they've reached the extent of the ability to improve pitch performance using optimization strategies. So using other optimization strategies. Sorry, uh, using JIT may open the door for pitch being used in more frequently in other non-web CPU intensive scenarios. And then making a JIT available can provide us with the ability to develop built-in functions in PHP instead of only C without suffering the huge performance penalties that could be associated with such a strategy today in the non-JITed engine. And this is like fast innovation, more secure implementations. Uh, they're proposing this maybe for as an experimental feature in 7.4 and then included in 8. It won't be in 7.4 if I've got anything to do with it. So, that, so that's what I was going to say. So what are your thoughts on, you know, on you know, kind of it coming to the table again? I remember, you know, back in the day we were talking about this, like providing, you know, improvements for real life apps. Uh, they're using dyna, uh, Dynasm. Uh, and again, it's, an, it's a part of OpCache again. Yeah, the box of everything that is Opcash. Um, okay, well, obviously, a JIT is brilliant. Uh, it's extremely advanced sort of compiler strategy, the most advanced, maybe. But obviously, that comes packaged with a lot of complexity. The current implementation does not support Windows or Mac, does not support any fancy architectures that you might get in servers. So it isn't ready. That's the basic Why, truth why are they trying to rush into 7.4, then, if they haven't got this support? Well, their their argument is that they they want testers. They they want to put it in seven four, but they want it to be disabled so that people can turn it on and test their code and give feedback. Which sounds really reasonable. However, we've just had seven three, and it's probably been the worst release for PHP in several years for for stability. Many 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 bugs have come in about seven point three, and I just it's so complicated. Even if the code's not getting hit, it's still available and you still don't know if it's 100% not getting hit. And I mean, let's be realistic. It, if it comes out in 7.4, the first thing you are going to do is switch it on. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't really matter whether it's disabled by default because you could just switch it on. Well, you'll get the blog post saying, do you want to run faster and all this, you know, enable this. Okay, so there's a few things to say. A JIT is basically only useful. They tried to, to allude to this by saying that it, 
brings PHP into another realm and whatever, but the basic facts are that it, it really only speeds up math operations. You should not expect your WordPress site to go faster because it's not math heavy. It's bound to IO and that's nothing to do with how fast the CPU executes code. So they, they've tried to allude to this, but they haven't really been honest about it. Um, they've given us some some irrelevant benchmarks from a mandrel bot or whatever, and, and that's just not the sort of code that people write in PHP. Yeah, because they're saying like they're going to try and improve the JIT for real-life apps using profiling and speculative optimizations in the future. Yeah, but in the future, I mean, anything could happen. I could have a hover car, you know? <laughs> I, 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 would, I would rather talk about what we have right now um, when, when we're talking about merging something into one of the most widely used languages on the planet. And what we have right now is something that is not finished, in the past, it was something that, you know, you kind of said, right, that's, that's, you know, we're going to leave it then because it wasn't providing real life app kind of performance improvements and it was just adding extra. And it still doesn't. If you can measure an improvement, it might be 5% or something like that. But I mean, there's every chance that you could get that 5% from just optimizing your code or a change in your infrastructure or something. So it's not really bringing a huge amount to the table for today's applications. And that's a good fact. But when they when they talk about the future, I mean, would it be nice to use PHP for maths heavy stuff? I don't know. I mean, there's there's other languages. It's not the only language. But I mean, that's not a very good argument against it. The best argument against putting it in seven, I want it. I want it in PHP eight. But I want the time between now and the release of PHP eight for internals developers to actually learn how it works. Because at the moment, only Dimitri can really make effective changes. So basically. He shut the door on everyone else. Uh, no one can introduce new Zen stuff because they can't. They can't change the Jarity. It's super complicated. Unless you have experience in this area of writing a Jarity, you can't interact with that. You have to learn about it, and that is going to take a long time. From me, who I, I might never be able to introduce brand new language features on my own because it's so complicated and I'm not really interested in it. If, if I was interested in assembly, I would write stuff in assembly and I don't write stuff in assembly. So other internal contributors feel the same, that it's complicated and they need time. And they do need time because we can't have one person be responsible for the bugs of the world. Well, and it's also a bus factor and the fact of it, it's not just what's happening today, it's what's happening tomorrow in the future. This code base is going to be around for a hell of a lot longer. And yeah. We all, we all need time to learn how it works and learn how to modify it and learn how to maintain it. And that's what we need the next couple of years for. I'm glad that they proposed it now. It did feel 7.4 as like even an experimental feature seems like a bit of a push. It's too fast. Um, it's and it too does fast feel to... like a, cha- a game changer feature in 8. Like this could be something that 8 holds its hat on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's a good reason to upgrade to, yeah. to HP 8. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and that's one of the main problems we've got is adoption rates. Um, yeah, why not so, sell it as the thing that you you know moves you to eight? I mean, there was a performance boost with seven. I mean, now there's going to be a further performance boost with eight. It's you know if you're looking at it from a marketing perspective as well, trying to get people over. But I mean, other people disagree with me, especially the people at Zend and Dimitri that wrote it. But I don't care if they disagree with me. I'm going to say what I think, and I think it's too early, and so do others. And um, if it goes into eight, it won't be the end of the world. I mean, it goes into seven point four, it won't be the end of the world. But it will make everyone's life harder, including users, because it's not stable. All that's happened since it got since the pull request was open is bug after bug after bug, and this needs fixing and that needs fixing. And he don't he done it all on his own, and he was focused on the architectures and the things that he cares about. But that is not what that is not what the rest of us view. I mean, they don't they've said in the RFC that they don't view Windows as important. It may be true that 
Windows is not a target for massive deployments of PHP. People don't tend to really uh, deploy PHP using Windows, but they do develop on Windows. And so they, they do need to be able to run their code as it would run on the server to, to have confidence in it. Mm. You, you can't have it run one way in front of you in your IDE and then deploy it and then it run a totally different way and have bugs that aren't exhibited when you were testing it, which it will have. So I think that's it's foolhardy to say that um, Windows doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what numbers you've got or what... Um, what data you've got on the, on the deployments of PHP. What actually matters is how people use it. And we know that people use Windows for development because, you know, we can watch download numbers. <laughs> we know that it's used on Windows. And also, Mac is a, a big, big, big thing. Again, people don't really deploy to Mac, but they do develop on it. And it just, it plain does not support Mac at the moment. It can't be compiled on Mac. It can't be compiled on Windows either. Uh, what's your thoughts on using Dynasm as well? Well, there there are very few options, first of all, unless you're going to write your own thing, which is what DNSM is actually part of Lua. It's the JIT implementation from Lua. Unless you're going to do that, write your own, there's not very many options. There's LLVM and there's um, DNSM and there's LibJIT, but there's not very many options. And we tried them all, basically. And DNSM is the one we've, we've landed on. So, yeah, I've got no problem with that. I mean, it's very complicated. It's got a really weird syntax. I mean, I'm a C programmer, not a bad one, but I can't read it. I mean, I can read bits of it and I can sort of figure out how it works, but it's got really weird syntax and it does really weird things. So um, it's the most suitable for us at the moment of the available options. And yeah, that's why it's being used. It's, it's the only one that can really have a chance of working. LLVM is extremely heavy. It, it sort of, it started out as, um, LLVM started out as everyone tried to target it for JOTs, but over the years it... It's actually just evolved into a compiler. It's just the back end for CLang now. So it's not really got the same focus on JIT as it did have once and as, as DNASM has got. So yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a good, a perfectly good base to build on. It just, it just hasn't actually been finished being built yet. Well, I mean, you know, it does sound like very interesting stuff. Finally, I'd love to talk about your weak references RFC that you had, you still have up. I'm just curious, what is the status of the RFC? Oh, well. I proposed it a while ago and then I sort of just forgot about it because I was busy with real life. And then someone tweeted me and said, oh, can you push this RFC forward? And I said, well, I haven't really got time. I've got a lot on my plate at the moment. But the next morning, and the next morning I thought, well, I know this code best. I know the reasons for it best, so I'll just do it. So I made some time and reproposed it. The status of it is I'm just waiting for some other policy amendments to go through the RFC process, and then I'll put it up for voting. So if it passes, it will, if it passes, it will be in 7.4. Java's got weak references as well, and probably some other languages. Basically, it's about so you set a property of your class as to an um, to an object. What you've done there is increase the reference count of the object, so that all the time your class is alive, it's accessible through that member. Yeah. Now that's normally good. But if you're writing, say you're writing with some sort of cache or something, and you want a reference to an object, but you don't want your reference to be to, to prohibit that object from being collected. Yeah, it would just never, never go away. Yeah, if it's for as long as you've got the reference, it's it's um, not going to be garbage collected, not going to not going to free the memory. Weak references were about taking references to objects, but they're weak, so you don't increase the ref count, so that if the object goes away other than the weak reference, it, it will be destroyed. It won't be retained by the weak reference. But the weak reference allows you to reference it. Uh, it's, it's all about um, avoid um, being able to allow garbage collection of things that 
you've got a reference to. Um, so it's actually it's actually quite simple. There, there was a there was a Peckle extension for it, which was not great in my opinion, but but it worked and people used it. And then seven point three introduced some changes, which means that it can't work like that anymore. So one weekend a while ago. I wrote this really crazy code to introduce weak references, but using really low level features and it works, but it's sort of costly and complex. And someone said, why don't you just do a patch for Zend and it will be much simpler. So I did the patch for Zend and it was much simpler. And then I forgot about it. But now, yeah, um, if it's voted in, it will be in 7.4, I suppose. Oh, that's exciting though. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, Joe, thank you again so much, man, for taking the time to come on the show. It's always interesting talking to you and uh, catching up about all your RFCs, all the plenty of work you've done in the testing sphere and everything. All right, then, audience, well, it's been another great episode, and we'll speak to you again next time. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Three Devs and a Maybe. You can contact us at contact at threedevsandamaybe.com or follow us on Twitter at the number three, Devs and a Maybe.